At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement, and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the Social Psychic. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's with great pleasure that I have the opportunity of having as a special guest, Mimi Pettibone. For those of you who always have wondered what our dreams, um, what impact our dreams have in our lives, what do our dreams mean? Are they trying to tell us something about ourselves? Can information from one of our dreams assist us with being more intuitive? or having psychic development improve in our lives. Mimi's gonna discuss her life experience with dream interpretation, dream work, and her podcast, The Dream Detective. Her background in includes all sorts of interpretive methods, including dream interviewing, gestalt, universal themes, parts work, shadow work, and dream groups. Mimi enjoys combining the best of these modalities into her own method called dream detective work by connecting with images, seeing how they relate to waking life, and making informed decisions and changes based on the insights they provide. All dreams have meaning, and understanding one's dreams is solving a puzzle, and dream detective work can assist with placing the pieces together to, cr to create a refined understanding of one's dreams. Insight from one's dreams can help us to connect our talents and life purpose and assist us with finding, creating, and developing healthy relationships with others, as well as strengthening our connection to our intuition and inner guidance. It's with great pleasure that I invite Mimi to the show. Welcome to the show, Mimi. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's great to have you on the show. I love the topic. I have so many people ask me about their dreams when I talk to them in a within the context as a uh, intuitive psychic medium, and just in everyday life. Uh, I want to ask you, I know that I was looking at your, your biography and your information on your website, and I wanted to ask you, what motivated you to pursue this area as one of your expertise? Well, ever since I was a little girl, I was fascinated by dreams, and I felt like they must mean something but I had no clue as to how to figure out what they were trying to tell me. I also had a lot of psychic and precognitive dreams, so as you can imagine, that piqued my interest even more. And it wasn't until college when I was introduced to a dream group that I had my first taste of how powerful understanding a dream's meaning can be. Wow. In terms of your own psychic experiences... Uh, you mentioned that you had dreams that had that type of element to it. Did you have, I would say, dreams that gave you the ability to foretell in advance from a dream? Or what experience did you particularly um, enjoy based on your, your own intuitive abilities? Yes, a lot of them happened before the fact, but I've also had plenty that happened during the fact. So... And not all of them were pleasant. You know, it might be like a relative who passes away. Or even when I used to work at a nursing home right out of college, that was one of my first jobs. And I would have dreams. I would know who, who was, you know, whose time was coming up before, within a week before usually. So, but other times it might be, you know, a really mundane thing. Like when I was really small, you know, I'm old enough that kids used to be able to go out and roam free in the woods. <laughs> and I dreamed one day or one night of a horse. No, sorry. It was a dog chasing a cow. And 
the next day or within the next couple days, my friends and I wandered to a place where we had never been before and there was a dog chasing a cow. And I went, oh my gosh, I saw that in my dream last night. But we had never, ever come across this place. There weren't typically cows. I didn't. I grew up in a residential neighborhood, not a farm area. So it was pretty unusual that we would stumble across that. So it could be little mundane things like that to bigger life events. That's interesting. I will tell people when I do readings with them that loved ones, there's a great potential for someone's deceased loved one to come into a dream. I've had that with personal experiences myself. And I've had a lot of people I've worked with share with me that they often dream about someone that's passed. And I wanted to see if you had any experiences where either you've had a deceased loved one come into your dream or if anyone you've worked with informed you of such a thing. Um, as an intuitive psychic medium, I always call those visitation dreams. I didn't know if you've had a, what your experiences have been with that type of situation. Yeah, actually, in the dream world, there's something known as after death communication dreams or af after death visitation dreams. And these have been studied to the point where they've actually found markers that set them apart from regular dreams. Some examples would be they feel very real. They feel so vivid. You might smell the person's perfume or cologne. Often the dream takes place where the loved one is visiting us in our bedroom. Whereas if you think about it, most dreams don't take place in our bedroom with us in our bed. It's, it's not the normal, usual. It's not impossible, but it's more of a real experience feeling and the person wakes up saying oh my god I felt like they were really here and they feel very moved by the experience another marker is that the loved one is bringing messages of love and hey I want you to know I'm okay or hey I hope you can forgive me for this thing you know maybe they did or said in their human life so it is definitely a thing. I don't know that I've had one. I usually get the dreams before a person goes for whatever reason. But I do feel I've had visitation dreams from living people, if you can believe okay. that. That's a whole nother type of dream where I think we can pop into each other's dreams and have shared dreams. But I do believe that after-death communication is a very, very real thing. What's your favorite topic or so, should I say what's your favorite subtopic within this dream work that you do well personally I just love being able to f get a message from my dream that that helps me with my life and that to me is just kind of even a very practical tangible tool that I can use to help myself in my own life and I love it when other people get those light bulbs going off. They'll go, oh, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. I just love facilitating those light. You know, they're the ones who are connecting the dots. But I love helping to facilitate that. And then aside from that, I am incredibly intrigued and fascinated by all things paranormal. So any kind of paranormal experience in the dream state really does intrigue me as well. And I've had a lot of them too. So interesting. I want to ask you, what is dream interviewing? That is a technique coined by a woman named Gail Delaney, who's a wonderful dream worker. And she came up with a technique where you basically interview the person as if you're from another planet. So if you had a dream about a frog, I would say, well, imagine that I'm from another planet and I don't have any idea what is a frog. How would you describe it to me? Now, some people are going to get really technical and go, well, it's a green thing with four legs and it hops. And that might be relevant, but usually we're looking more for what do they feel about frogs? What are frogs like to, in their world? <laughs> what do they think about frogs? And by those descriptions and associations, we're able to find out what it is that the, that the frog is a symbol for. Because people always say, well, why did I dream about a frog? Or why did I dream about that actor that I saw in that movie? It must just be because I watched that movie last night, and then they'll chalk it off. But what they're missing is that by exploring the association – 
they can uncover what it relates to in their waking life. Because the dreaming mind is not linear like our waking mind. Our waking mind thinks in terms of past, present, future. This is Fred. That's Joe. That's a fork. That's a spoon. But in the subconscious, nonlinear, intuitive, creative mind, it thinks more in nonlinear terms like a circle rather than a line. And this is that thing I eat with rather than a fork or a spoon. And that's my friend. And so it'll store things in folders. If you imagine like we keep folders on our computer or a filing cabinet, it'll store things in folders sorted by emotions and associations rather than, you know, the linear and named things. So in the folder for, here's a great example, the folder for romantic love will have your first love, your most recent love, maybe the person you're in a relationship with now and everybody you've dated in between. And so when you have a dream about a relationship, let's say the current person you're with is bringing up a dynamic very familiar to an old relationship, you might dream about that old partner. And then you wake up going, oh, my gosh, what does it mean? Should I contact that person? You know, it felt real. And really, it's 90-something percent of the time it's not about that person. If you feel guided to contact that person, then go ahead, you know, see what happens. But most of the time, it's because your dreaming mind remembers the emotions. And it might be pointing out, hey, remember how you were with this person? You're kind of being like that again. Or remember how that person was treating you? This person's kind of treating you like that now. And a lot of times, our first experiences with anything, jobs, cars, partners, will become the imprint. And so it's actually very common for people to dream about their first loves because that was their imprint of a relationship. That's so interesting. I always find this topic very intriguing to myself because anytime you talk at a party, for example, and someone brings up a dream they've had, a lot of people will respond and say, I can't remember my dreams. And I want to ask you, when, when you're around someone, if they bring that up to you and they say, I just don't remember any of my dreams, what, if anything, do you tell them in response based on your experience and your work? Yeah, there's a couple reasons that could be. For one, some of us are just more prone to it than others, just like some people are naturally really good at math and some people are naturally very athletic. It's one of those things that is partially hardwired into us. People who are very thin-boundaried, which are people like you and me, very intuitive, creative people, tend to be a little more prone to remember dreams. It doesn't mean that every creative, intuitive person remembers all their dreams by any means, but as a generalization. And then people who are thicker boundaried, who think of things more in black or white terms, this is yes, this is no, that's A, that's B, rather than every color of the rainbow, or they think black and white versus every color of the rainbow, those people might not be as likely to remember their dreams. Now, that said, there are other things, too. Part of it is where in the sleep cycle are you waking up? If somebody wakes you up or you wake up naturally during an REM dream cycle, you're over 90% likely re to remember a dream. But if you wake up between dreams, you're probably not going to remember it. Now, also, if you get woken up by an alarm clock, it's going to jerk you out of the alpha brainwave state and into the beta high-level thinking brainwave state. You've suddenly shifted brain states, and you're not as likely to recall it. But if you can stay relaxed and go back into that alpha state, it's easier to recall those types of things. Now, I do have a lot of massage therapists tell me, hey, I get people, as soon as they lay down on the table and start relaxing, they say, hey, I had the strangest dream last night. That's because they're going back into that alpha brainwave state. And that's there's a whole study studies on something called state-specific learning, where whatever state you're in, and they've done studies on people who they'll have them smoke pot, <laughs> and whatever state they're in when they learn something, they'll perform better on a test later when they're in the same state, whether they were stoned or sober. So part of it is, you know, what brainwave state are you in? And can you stay a little bit in the alpha brainwave state when you wake up? Then there's a whole nother thing, which is, this is a very unknown of condition that I'm 
hoping to interview someone for my podcast, but there's a condition called pyroluria, which affects people of Scandinavian and Irish descent mostly. And there's a gene where your body actually flushes out B6 and zinc. And the, they need to supplement to correct the deficiency. And the way they know if somebody is getting enough B6 is when they start remembering their dreams because a lack of B6 can cause poor dream recall. So in the future, if I have somebody tell me that they can't remember their dreams, I might want to recommend that they pop over to Walgreens and pick up some B6. <laughs> well, if you're <laughs> medically licensed to do that, <laughs> well, yeah, right. vitamin, I yeah, mean. Right, right. Yeah. So I always tell people it's something they can look into on their own, maybe get tested and see if they have a B6 deficiency. But it could be any of those other reasons as well. And, you know, sometimes people have an emotional trauma or something, and they might not be consciously interested or ready in hearing what their dreams have to say. But it's okay, because our dreams are still working for us regardless. When you think about the amount of our lifetime spent sleeping, Dreams are extremely important to who we are and what we're about. And one of the things I find interesting, I, I try to tell people, uh, clients I work with in the psychic setting, to keep a dream journal. If, that, if they have some information that comes through in the dream, have a journal next to them that they might be able to write down and record what that is that they can remember upon waking up. Have you found success working with clients of your own if they have a dream journal? Yes. I mean, a lot of people that come to me, they probably are already keeping a dream journal <laughs> because okay. they're into, interested in dreams. But it does really help. If somebody says they can't remember their dreams or they don't remember a lot and they want to improve that, they can definitely do things towards that, such as keeping a journal or a recording device next to their bed and setting the intention before they go to sleep to say, I would like to remember a dream tonight, or I'm ready to remember a dream. And then they can even ask a question that's called dream incubation, where they come up with an open-ended question, such as, how can I, or show me a way to, or I need some insights about. Then when they ask that question, repeat it over and over, write it down or record it because by the morning, sometimes it's easy to forget how we worded the question or what exactly the question was. And also think about what have I done towards this so far? What have I not done? What angles have I considered? And I'm open to new angles. And by doing that, we're sort of priming the pump, so to speak. And then as soon as you wake up in the morning, grabbing that pen and paper or that recording device and capturing the dream because this is a funny thing that everybody seems to think is unique to them only but if we don't capture them right away they do slip away very quickly they go back into that subconscious realm where they came from and it's easy to forget, but sometimes later in the day, something can trigger the memory. Let's say you dreamed of, you know, a cat sitting in a window, and then later in the day, you walk by a house, and there's a cat sitting in the window, and you go, oh, that reminds me of that dream. I completely forgot about it. So things like that can trigger the memory spontaneously, but it's ideal if you want to work with them to capture them as soon as you wake up. What about repetitive dreams? I know a lot of us have experienced those where it's a similar dream over and over. What, what would be your explanation of that? Recurring dreams happen every time a recurring situation or issue comes up in our life. So what I would do if somebody came to me with one is I say, when was the first time you had this dream? And they might say six months ago, or they might say I've been having it since I was 12 years old. And then I'll say, when was the most recent time? And then we'll look at how often in between did it ha has it happened. And so if they tell me I started having this dream when I was 25 and I've been having it ever since about, you know, once a year, then I'll say, well, what changed in your life when you were 25? Did anything major occur? Did you move? Did you get married? Did you get divorced? Did you have a kid? Did you go to school or graduate or start a new job? Any of those major life things. And then look at how often it's been happening and what might be occurring that often in their life. If they had it once a year, 
Well, is it at the same time of year? And what is significant about that time of year? And then we can start to connect the dots to what this might mean for them. And usually once the person understands the recurring dream, they don't have it anymore because they got the message. That's interesting. I um, I think you have some psychology in your background from your website. It looks like you, you mentioned Gestalt is one of the things that you've worked with for dream work. Is that similar to the Gestalt, um, the whole, that um, some psycho- psychological principles? Is it a similar th- tr- crossover there? Yes. So there are different ways of working with Gestalt. But the first way I learned is called the chair technique, where you have somebody sit in a chair and in dream work, now you don't need to have a dream. You can do this with life issues. But in uh, working with a dream, you would have somebody sit in one chair and speak as the frog in their dream or the cat or the friend or person, or even they can speak as a setting or an object in the dream. And then you have them move to a different chair and speak as a different element from the dream. And there, that's actually also known as parts work, which is something that I love doing. And I'm trained in many different methods of working with parts. There, there's, you know, it's it's used in hypnotherapy and neurolinguistic programming and voice dialogue and transactional analysis. And I'm trained in all of those because I just think it's so fascinating. And it kind of goes back to that, you know, people always ask, is it true that everything in your dream is part of yourself? I say, well, it can be, but, you know, when you get an after-death visitation dream from a loved one, it doesn't mean that that has to represent a part of yourself, and that dream isn't necessarily symbolic. Or sometimes it might be a dream about your relationship with somebody, and it might not be so much about just you, but that said, it can still be fascinating to look at that person as an energy within yourself because we all have all the energies within us. Definitely. I think it's interesting, too, like if you have a dream and you are in the past, a past version of yourself, like if you're in your 40s and you're all of a sudden you have a dream that when you're in high school or your 20s, do you find that that's something that may represent um, a prior, I would say, memory that might impact the dream? Or do you think it's just revisit? It could be a multitude of factors. That cause those kind of dreams. Yeah, I think that's a really great question and and all of the above. You know, and what I would really say to that is that it's not only in our dreams that we go back to being 13 sometimes. (laughs) 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 If you can think about all this goes back to parts work is that we all have these different parts. You know, you could go from as basic as part of me wants to quit smoking and part of me really wants to part of me really wants to keep smoking because I like it and it gives me a break from the workday to, I'm not talking me because I don't smoke, but to, to, I regressed to the 13 year old when that cute guy smiled at me and all of a sudden I became the awkward junior high girl that couldn't imagine that a guy could like her, you know, we all do that. And my NLP teacher used to say the world is run by three year olds. (laughs) Because so many Absolutely. people regress, even even so-called professionals. It's just part of being human. But it does make it a little more challenging when a lot of wounded children are duking it out or, or lashing out or trying to protect themselves when they're trying to conduct business or, or move forward in their lives or, or have a productive, healthy relationship. So it, it's really useful in my mind to be aware of it because then we can – own it and start taking care of those younger wounded parts and not have them run the show unconsciously. Definitely. I call that nourishing your inner child. Yes. I would say we all have inner children that are vulnerable and insecure and we need to nourish our inner children on occasion when when necessary. Absolutely. One so, of the things I find for myself, uh, I went to Sedona, Arizona in 2016, December of 20, almost two years ago. And from my trip to Sedona, very spiritual place, I became very attuned to crystals and crystal healing and incorporating certain crystals into my daily routine or even with, for example, clients I work with who are grieving the death of a loved one. I'll recommend that they utilize rose quartz to help them through the grieving process. One of the things I had from a personal experience 
I have a pendant that someone gave me as a gift, an amethyst pendant. And I actually left it on and fell asleep with it one night. And I noticed that my dreams were off the charts. The type of dreams I had, um, the quantity, the it was just it was more intense of a dream experience than I've ever had before. And since then, I don't wear amethyst when I sleep. I like to have my normal dreams I'm accustomed to. I want to ask you, have you had anyone or have you had personal experiences or with your work uh, with the utilization of certain crystals and helping with understanding dreams or ushering certain types of dreams as compared to not using crystals? Personally, I have not experimented with that, but I think it's fascinating and I believe all things are possible. I, I like I, I believe in validating all experiences, especially when you when it's, it happened for you and it was very real. So I'm sure there are people that are more into crystals that could tell you even specific stones that have specific properties for specific types of dreams. But that could also be very unique. So I think it depends on the individual, but it could be an interesting tool. If somebody is having trouble remembering their dreams and they want to try that, that could be interesting. I mean, when you think about it, computers are made of crystals, the the chips, or I'm not a computer person, but something like that. And our bodies, I study a lot of health and healing matters, and a lot of health issues come down to mineral imbalances. And there's one woman whose work I like, her name is Heather Dane, and she talks about how our bodies are made up of crystals because minerals are crystals. And I just love that idea. I think it's really powerful. And the idea that by getting that into balance, we can align things in our health. But also, you know, we do know a lot that crystals are known for spiritual properties. So... I believe that's very possible. I have not had the personal experience with it, but I also haven't tried it. It's fascinating. It's it's if you want to if you want to have an interesting night, <laughs> I recommend wearing a a piece of amethyst or having it on your person and then going to sleep. And I I, I will probably say that you'll have an interesting experience with it potentially. Well, and I'd be curious if you had any association with amethyst. I do connect to it on a on a on an intuitive level. Uh, it is a spiritual stone. So it's definitely something that I like to wear or have around me. Uh, it's one of the stones that, rose quartz and others, I do like to collect. But amethyst is definitely one that I've been drawn to and you know, more frequently than other stones. What, is it known for heightening intuition? Yes, actually it is. Uh, as I was talking to you, I Googled amethyst and it says amethyst dream stone. And there's entries about it by other people on the internet through Google that uh-huh. discusses exactly that type of thing. And I think it has to do with frequencies, like you were saying. Um, I think amethyst is one of those things that if you think just like radios or computers have the certain quartz transistors in them that cause them to be able to receive signals and information and process things, I believe that we don't know enough about our unconscious mind yet uh, to really understand the impact that things such as crystals or even electrical devices, you know, having a television set on and falling asleep, those kind of things can have impact, I think, on your ability to have quality dream experiences because anything with electricity, I'm sure, has some type of of an impact on our ability to have healthy dreams. One of the things, I, I, I don't know if you have any opinion about that at all, such as, for example, there's people who worry that if they have their phones next to them and they're sleeping – the feedback from the phone with the electricity or a certain electrical that you should turn off all the devices in your room uh, so that you have the best sleep possible. Have you have you had any experience with anything like that? I have delved into that. I I have a touchscreen phone. And one time after I had taken a shower and washed my hair, you know how your hands can get kind of waterlogged? <laughs> yes. Um, my hands were a bit like that, I guess. And when I touched the screen of my phone, I could feel the electrical tingling moving up my fingers. And that that was when I first went, whoa, this is uh, what's going on. This is ser- this is a real thing that we feel electricity, aside from if you stick your finger in a socket, of course. But um, And there's a movie, I think it's called something like Resonance Beings of Frequency or something, where they actually 
document people who some people are so sensitive to EMFs or electromagnetic frequencies that they have to go and live somewhere off the grid with no cell signal I and heard no that. yeah so i do believe it affects us i think cell phones are still so new in the bigger picture that we're going to see maybe 20 50 years down the road we're going to look back on movies and tv shows where people are holding the cell phone up to their head like now we look at movies where everybody's smoking cigarettes going, don't they know how bad that was for them? So I do definitely think it affects us. It also looking at a blue screen does something to our brains to stimulate awakeness. And a lot of people have trouble sleeping these days. And they say staying off the blue screens, devices, phones, computers before going to bed is a really good idea because it really stimulates the brain to stay awake. There's also an app called Flux that I use on my computers that makes the screen have kind of a yellow tint, and I really like that. That brings up a great point that I want to follow up with you with a question. Colors and dream experiences. People who dream in certain colors or they talk about colors as representation in their dreams, do you have an opinion about that at all? Yes, it's like anything with dream work. If you say blue means this and red means that, there can absolutely be some universal associations that are really interesting to look at. And the associations can be very unique. And you always want to check with the individual, what are their associations with it? But that said, color is also associated with emotion. And so I've had some people tell me things like for a certain period of time, they only dreamed in black and white. And then only after a certain amount of time had gone by did they start dreaming in color. And once I asked them some questions, it turned out they may have had some kind of traumatic event. And their mind was just processing that for a certain period of time before they could really let the color or more of the happier or vivid emotions back in. So there's also some speculation of, well, do we really dream in black and white versus color? Or is it just that when we wake up, we don't remember the color? That that could be the case. Who, these are the kinds of things where until we can get into people's brains and see their dreams, who knows? <laughs> They're actually sure. starting to be able to do some MRI, functional MRI work where they can map parts of the brain and say this part of the brain is associated with this and sort of get an idea, but it's still pretty, you know, it's not going to play the dream like a movie on a screen. So I think um, there is a lot of subjectivity in that. And then there's another theory that says, well, before we had black and white TVs, was the idea of seeing things in black and white even conceived of in our minds? So that's another question mark. But I do feel that, you know, the, at least the intensity, if nothing else, is going to have some relevance in terms of the emotion connected to the dream or maybe the emotion that the person's ready to feel at the time. You raise a good point when you said that when people have traumatic experiences, have you worked, I guess this is probably one of your specialties, is it something that you do when someone has a traumatic experience and they have these reoccurring dreams? Do you help work with them to help them move beyond that traumatic experience by interpreting their dreams as part of your dream work? Well, that brings up another good point, which is there are certain dreams that are known as PTSD, sorry, PTSD dreams where the person is reliving the trauma and they're not they're not evolving in the story as time goes on. So in a healing psyche, maybe I dream of the car crash and then I dream that the car almost hit me and then I dream that I got out before they hit me. You see like a positive evolution. But in a PTSD dream, the person dreams the actual scene or something very close to it over and over and over, over a period of time. When it's not evolving in a positive progression of healing, that's that's a PTSD dream. Now, I don't know, for whatever reason, I don't get a lot of people contacting me about those. And my sense is that it's because when people are having those really traumatic dreams, they the, first, the last thing they want to do is remember it or talk about it. 
unfortunately, because it can be worked with and it can be healed. And I certainly have helped some people with those, but it's it's something I think people would rather just take a sleeping pill and not remember their dreams if they have that opportunity than to work with it. So I do believe it can be worked with, but I think it is something that people are not as often seeking help with because they'd rather not even go there. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of it is based on what the person's comfort level coming to you, uh, their ability to want to talk about that type of experience as well. Their willingness to engage in that would probably have a lot to do with your ability to actually help them on that type of a level. So I can understand that. Yeah. What do you, what do you find in reference to the work that you do? And have you ever had anyone that was skeptical about how you help people through your dream work? Usually if they're finding me and seeking a session, they're not the greatest skeptic. But yeah, actually I have had a couple people. Uh, one guy that was part of a group, I'm, I can't even remember what group it was. It was a long time ago, but he thought it would just be interesting to have me do a little talk about dreams. And and he was quite a skeptic, but he had me do a session with him, and he said he was blown away because he didn't realize that dreams had any meaning or that it could give him some insight about his own life. And I do see that sometimes, but because most of the people that come to me are already, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> so sure. I'm not really having to prove anything. But that said... I respect all beliefs. If somebody's adamant and they say, I think dreams are just brain dumping of the day and they don't mean anything, hey, you're entitled to your belief. That's okay. I'm not here to try to force anyone to to convert to my views. But for the people who do, I love helping them understand the value that it can hold for us. It sounds to me from our conversation today that there's such a transformative opportunity by being open to understanding your dreams or being able to work in gaining greater in-depth understanding and assessing them. I want to know this. When you do your work and you work with your clients, what is the greatest reward you personally experience as part of what you, I could say, the healing process that you give your clients? What's the, the thing that you could cite to that really makes your job the most gratifying, not job, I'd say, I'd say your, your, your profession, the most gratifying experience for you? I think there's two things. One is during a session when they really just have that aha moment, that, oh my gosh, wow, this is so profound. They really, you know, I can feel that they are reaching a whole new level of connection to their own self. And another is when I hear back later I've heard stories about, you know, people who struggled with depression for a long time. And I'm not claiming to heal depression, but if somebody, I have had people that say they were struggling with it for a long time, but through the work we did with the dream, they've reconnected with their creativity and their joy and they're taking action steps in their everyday life towards um, carrying out the messages that they got from their dream. You know, I've also had, you know, there was a woman who was kind of in that obsessive state over an ex-boyfriend, which a lot of people struggle with that. <laughs> and we worked on a dream and, and she came to this whole new awareness. And then she emailed me a few weeks later and said, I am completely over him. This is amazing. It's almost shocking. I can't believe it. And then later I heard back she was having some little pines for him again, but not nearly like before. So I'm not claiming that dream work does that for everyone because I always say you can lead a horse to water, <laughs> but you sure. can't make them drink. So a lot of it is how willing or open the person is to exploring their own minds and to taking action on – it's not even all just action because a lot of it does happen from the profound insight that they get, but they've shifted to a whole new level of consciousness to where now – it's not even like forcing themselves to take action towards, you know, embracing their creativity or getting over the X, but that they're just, they've moved there. 
they've moved to a new place within themselves. That's progress <laughs> for yes. them to have that type of a transformative experience. Right. I, I could find that to be, I could see where that would be very rewarding. I remember I had a dog a long time ago and there were times when I would watch my dog sleep and it looked like my dog had dreams or nightmares. And I want to ask you about your opinion. Do you think animals also dream like we do? Oh, absolutely they do. And you probably saw your dog moving his paws like he was trying to run or <laughs> catch <Yes>. something. <laughs> it's so cute. I love watching yes. animals dream, but absolutely they do dream. Well, I, I think that's another way we're, we're similar to animals. And if you look at it from that type of perspective, then we would say that dreams are part of nature. Would that be something that you would agree with? I agree 100%. I also think they're our souls speaking and communicating with us. That's great. That's great. Let me talk about your podcast. So I know you have a podcast. You call it The Dream Detective. I wanted to see if you can describe what got you prompted to start your podcast and what you find so far, you know, doing it, what has been the most rewarding aspect of it. Well, thank you for bringing that up. It is a long-time goal and a labor of love. I actually did one about nine years ago, and then I realized that just wasn't the right time for me to be doing it, and I had some other things that were priorities. And I didn't think it would take me that long to get it restarted, but it's it's been a great experience. Um, the My sort of nutshell is the show explores the mysteries of the mind, body, spirit, and dreams. So it's not only about dreams because I do – I'm so fascinated with so many different things, psychology, health, relationships, spirituality – the paranormal. So a lot of shows will be interviews with topic on with people on topics such as that. And other shows do focus just on dreams. So right now I have at this time I have four episodes out. And number three and number four are all about dreams where I take real dreams from real people. And I actually set them to music. So you hear the dream played out and I either have a professional actor or the actual dreamer say the dream. And you hear it to music. And then I delve into here's what we got by working with this dream. So it's really educational in terms of showing people how dream symbolism works, how the progress, the pro how the process of um, working with the symbolism and the metaphors and the meanings unfolds. And in the fourth episode, I actually tie together some common threads between a lot of the dreams as well. And one interesting thing I found is by setting them to music, it adds a whole new dimension to dream work. Because if you try to score a dream to music, like any dream you have, go online or try to think of a song that matches the tone of that dream. It will give you a whole new layer of understanding of the emotional dynamics of the dream. So That's very interesting. Well, thank you. I love it. So yeah, some shows are That's dedicated really. just to dreams and others are interviews with experts in those variety of types of fields. I'm looking at one of your most recent ones, Spooky Old House Dreams, Dancing Skeletons and a Trip to New Orleans. And yes. That was from uh, end of October. Can you tell us a little about that episode? That sounds like a really interesting topic. Okay, so I have a form on my website where people can submit a dream, and it has some questions to go along that will help me have an idea of, you know, what what, what else is going on for this dreamer. And I get tons and tons of dreams through that, but I, I can't answer them all because it's very time intensive to really study a dream and the true way to work with it is by communicating with the person. And, and not everybody emails back or I don't have time to correspond with everyone, but it says that on the website. But that said, I've been collecting these dreams for a long time. And I had these two dreams that were, you know, somebody going to a spooky old house and there's an old woman. And they just, they kind of had some things in common, but they were also different. But they were also those very detailed story-like dreams from beginning to end which a lot of people remember maybe a paragraph or two and not really the whole thing. 
But these were so detailed and so complete stories. I thought these would be great on an episode together. And I released it around Halloween (laughs) because it fits that theme. And then while I was working on it, I had a dream of these dancing glow-in-the-dark skeletons. And I go into that. And then a friend of mine posted a dream on Facebook about being in New Orleans and all these people and all these costumes. And I thought, wow, those four dreams just really fit together. And then as I put the episode together... I found there were commonalities between the dreams and that some of them do cover some of the kind of universal themes of searching for something, but what is it? And we all are doing that in our lives, most of us a lot of the time. And so I talk about each individual dream and then how they tie together sort of more on a universal level as well. And through listening to that, I think people will really get an idea of how to work with their own dreams as well. And also it, I think, hopefully will bust a lot of the misconceptions about dream work, which is the classic thing that happens to someone like me is people come up, they flat out state one or two sentences about a dream and they go, so what does that mean? And I'm like, well, it's a little more complicated than me just giving you a computer printout reading of what does this mean? It's it's much more intricate than that. And these episodes, my intention is that they'll help people understand, oh, I see. She tells how they connected what this symbol meant. One of the interviews I actually recorded When I say interview, I mean the dream session. And I play some clips where you can hear the dreamer, the New Orleans dream. You can hear him sort of connecting dots and going, oh, I see, you know. So it gives people an idea of of how a session would actually work or how to understand their own dreams. That's so interesting. I also think when it comes to dreams themselves, a lot of times you'll have symbols like we talked about earlier, with messages behind interpreting things. Have you found, in terms of your your work itself, not to shift away from your podcast for a second, I thought of this, when you interpret and you do your dream work, do you find that certain symbols are more prevalent than others that occur or reoccur in people's dreams across the board? Well, yes, and that there's actually certain themes that are very universal, like being chased, flying, falling, having your teeth fall out, being naked in public. Those kinds of dreams have been studied, and people have them all over the world. So there definitely are some universal themes. And because those ones have been studied so much, we can often say, well, you know, being chased usually means you're feeling threatened. But, you know, what if they were chased by the person who's who they're in love with and they're actually enjoying it? <laughs> so you always want to check with the dreamer. Or being naked in public is usually associated with feeling vulnerable and exposed. That might be a common feeling when somebody starts a new job. Oh, my God, they're going to find out I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm exposed. And, I mean, it could happen in a lot of situations. But what if the person is standing there naked going, hey, you know what? I I look good. I'm happy with who I am. I'm just going to walk down the street like this because this is who I am. That might be an indication that they're not afraid to show their true self. Or if, if it's a different spin on that, maybe they're realizing they have some exhibitionist tendencies. It, it could go any different way, but really it's really up to the dreamer to connect the dots of what it means for them. My job is to facilitate and bring the tools to help them connect their own dots. Interesting. Have you ever had anyone ask you about the idea of past lives and having something along those lines with their dreams or dream experiences? Absolutely. Happens all the time. Even I've had dreams of, you know, Victorian era or different eras. And you wonder, was this me in another life? Or why am I having that? A couple things to consider. I do believe it's absolutely possible. And we can look at the dream as a literal past life or as a metaphor for what's going on right now. We might look at what what was that time in history like? What was that culture like? And how do you feel about that? Or how would you feel if you were in that? Would you feel oppressed? Would you feel free? And where in your life do you feel like that right now? So whether or not it's an actual past life or a metaphor, we don't even have to put a label on it to get value from the message of the dream. And if a person is adamant, I'm sure this was a past life, I believe them. 
then yeah, that's what it is. And if they say, I don't believe in past lives, then we're not going to go there. But I do absolutely believe it's possible. I think it's interesting. I, I always think that past lives is just something that is very interesting to me because a lot of people ask me about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of those things that when you're when you're, like you and I, we delve into these areas. So we're already immersed in it. And it's something that I feel like is a passion for us. And we like helping people and working with it in our own respective ways. Mm-hmm. That's something like past lives is one of those areas. I think it, it, it's it's one of those pieces to the puzzle that if we could understand it better as a topic area, we'd probably understand a lot about ourselves. Um, I agree. I think, I think looking at our dreams is such an such an important starting point because there's so much that we overlook on a daily basis when we dream and, and we recall certain things. I know a lot of times people will kind of, I feel like they're skittish to talk about their dreams to other people. Like they'll have a certain dream and then they won't want to bring it up or they'll talk about it in such a way that it's not something that they invest a lot into. Have you worked with your patients or people in general to help them be able to express themselves better about their dream experiences? Hmm, that's a good question. I guess, yeah, there are different types of people. For example, that gestalt technique we were talking about earlier where somebody you know, the chair technique is known as gestalt, and there's many different ways you can hold out different hands, and one hand is this, the other is another part. But some people will take to that gestalt-type technique where they speak as an element from the dream. They will just take to it like a fish to water, and they'll really dive in, and they'll get these light bulbs, and they'll just, they'll they'll really get it. And other people, no matter how gentle you kind of guide them into it. They just can't speak as the frog in the dream or as the sofa or as the car. They just, they can't go there. They're like, I'm not the frog. I I can't do that. What are you talking about? So part of it is really just kind of reading the person and kind of getting a sense for their style. And then, you know, I have a lot of different tools so I can just kind of gauge what will be at their level of of where they're at and what can help them but again I can't I can't force the light bulbs to go off but or on <laughs> but sure. um yeah I don't know if does that answer the question yeah I think it does I think it does what are what would you say to somebody who's listening right now listening to our show and they're sitting back and this is a topic that they haven't really thought given much thought to and they're listening to us discuss this and they leave, you know, when they finish our episode, what would be the top three things you'd recommend to that person to help them understanding uh, their dreams better and to being able to work through the different types of dreams that they have from a, from based from your experiences? I think one of the biggest ones is to remember that most things in dreams are not literal. That's the biggest hang up I see people getting caught up with is why did I dream about that person or why did I dream about that movie? It must mean it's just because I watched that movie or it must mean I'm supposed to call that person. Again, most dreams are metaphors. But that said, I do believe some dreams are purely spiritual. Some dreams are paranormal in nature. And I think they can have overlaps of layers too. So being open-minded as to how that dream might pertain to them and knowing that it's usually not literal and that maybe there's some other energies in there that are that are bigger than us, that are not just our about our human self, if that makes sense. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. What would you, in terms of, because we're, we're running low on time, but I would say in terms of your personal experiences, where do you see this topic or this area, this practice area going in the next 20 years? <laughs> I can tell you where I hope it goes. <laughs> sure. I hope that I am way ahead of my time because I feel like the mainstream of at least the United States is just not quite there yet. In fact, I've been approached by a handful of TV shows over the years, and I know have some colleagues that have too, and 
there was one where both of us had been contacted and I said, well, do you think that they're going to actually pick it up? And she said, I don't think mainstream is ready for this yet. And she was right. They didn't, they didn't pursue it any further. Unfortunately, you know, we're living in a time when what gets ratings is drama and people fighting and, you know, <laughs> being catty with each other. I'm not saying the whole country's like that by any means. And there's certainly whole networks dedicated to higher purposes. But, you know, I do events, too. I do readings. I do some tarot readings and other things. that, And sometimes I get hired to do events. And if I put a little sign out that says dream interpretation and tarot reading, 95% of the people will ask for a tarot reading. And, you know, yeah, a lot of people don't remember their dreams. Or I think you kind of touched on this earlier that they're afraid. I think people are afraid of what they'll find out. And to me, that just says they're afraid of what they're, what's really deep inside of them. And there is that percentage of the population that you and I are into that whole world of self-discovery and spirituality. And those type of people are really into it. But, you know, most cultures throughout history have had much deeper spiritual practices than, than what we're living in this time of history. And you know, a lot of cultures would get up and share their dreams. And that would be my goal. My vision is that people start taking their dreams seriously, that they start waking up. And the first thing they do is share their dreams with their loved ones or a group of people. It could even be online or a phone group at least once a week, every day would be ideal. But it would also help a lot of things like there were so many dream reports before 9-11 of people dreaming of planes crashing into the buildings. And if you had enough people collecting enough dreams and comparing notes, we could very likely avert huge disasters like that or things like tornadoes. We can't stop them, but we can get out of their way. So that's my vision for the future with dreams. One of the things I didn't ask you before What's your viewpoint as to nightmares? Well, a lot of times they can come up when we're stressed out about something. Sometimes, you know, even medications or drugs can cause our brains to react in that way. They definitely can have an effect on our psyche. Um, again, there's the PTSD type of dreams we talked about before. So there's different types of nightmares. But... They're definitely trying to get our attention for a reason because they want us to to deal with some kind of emotion that might be going on that we're they're also just processing those for us. That's so interesting. I agree with you on that. I find that there are some dreams that are just so vivid and so powerful that when you wake up from that experience, it's it can be a, an eye opener for you versus the standard run of the mill dream where you wake up and you say, oh, okay, you know, have you found that there's certain things that contribute to those really memorable dreams that someone has when they share that with you? In terms of what might contribute it to it, I don't think it's so much a food or anything like that. Perhaps if a person were getting more into meditation, things like that could help to facilitate that type of dream if they're looking for that. Other than that, I think it's sort of like a spiritual experience that we don't always consciously control, but maybe the psyche is saying, hey, it's time. Here, we have this message for you, and we think you're ready enough to hear it that we're going to deliver it to you. You mentioned the paranormal earlier as part of your focus of your podcast. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think about paranormal circumstances and how they impact or may impact dreams? I think, well, actually, it's been studied that the number one place where any kind of psychic happenings take place is in the dream state. So, and anyone who's into the paranormal world kind of knows that that 3 a.m. seems to be this magical time when a lot of weird things can happen. It doesn't have to be just 3 a.m., but a lot of the sort of bizarre things that can happen often happen around that time, but also they can happen in that twilight state between waking and sleeping. We get sleep paralysis, the after-death contact dreams. Um, you know, that this is, again, where it can get so individual. Some people feel they have contact with other types of beings. Um, sleep paralysis can include visitations from sort of a grim reaper or Halloween witch type character. 
it's and now I'm hearing even the the hat the shadow people can come in in that time. So yeah, there's a sleep seems to be very conducive to those experiences because it's putting us in that more open brainwave state. That's, that's interesting. I find it very intriguing myself. I I am fascinated by that and how those type of circumstances, stuff that we don't, we can't explain with common science yet. We're not there yet to be able to show the impact that something that is such a spiritual or some other presence or form can have on our dream state. I think that that's very interesting to me. I agree. <laughs> have you had um, experiences when you sleep in an old house? I, I know that that was one of the titles for your podcast. Have you had personal experiences with that yourself? Oh, yes. I used to, well, you know, when you're younger, I don't know, maybe most people move a lot. But when I was in my 20s, I moved more frequently. And I lived in a lot of older buildings. And almost every time I moved, I would hear footsteps, like when I'm trying to sleep. I'd hear footsteps. I'd hear voices. <laughs> and honestly, I never told anyone because I thought they're going to lock me up in the loony bin if I tell anyone about this. So I would just lay there kind of scared and paralyzed and not really knowing. But I, I mean, my guess or sense is that it was probably many of the people that had lived there before and they're checking out, oh, who's the new girl? <laughs> Let's see who just moved in here. Mm, okay, let's check her out. All right, let's visit and then we'll be gone. But especially when I would move into a new place for the first, I don't know, let's say a couple weeks or a couple months, I would get a lot of those experiences. And a lot of that could also be your own intuitive abilities. I think sometimes we have a heightened state of awareness. I feel like that can spill over into your, your dream experiences as right. well. Some yeah. people have that. And are more sensitive to that than others. So that's a, definitely interesting to me. Let me ask you this. We're winding down on the episode. And I want to ask you, if somebody wants to visit uh, your website, can you share that with our audience so they can learn more about you? Yeah, my website is three words, thedreamdetective.com. I say that because a lot of people just type dream detective, but it's thedreamdetective.com. And my podcast is on there. And there's links to Stitcher and Spotify and Apple and all those podcast places where you can subscribe to the show. And all my social media is on there. I do a lot on Instagram. In fact, I do little mostly oracle card readings. So kind of positive self-help inspirational messages with a beautiful photo. And I have a Facebook group for intuition and inner guidance. And trying to What's think. What's the name of that group? It's called Intuition and Inner Guidance Support Group. So they can type that in on Facebook and request to join, or there's a link from my website, too. Excellent. And then uh, what is your, your name for Instagram? Your handle, I guess, is what they call it, right? I'd be interested the, in wanting to. Yeah. I'm on there as The Dream Detective. I love your title. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I really do. I like the fact that you call yourself The Dream Detective for me. Because it represents exactly what you're doing. <laughs> it, it really does on such a different level. I mean, I, I really like that. Oh, thank I also you. Wanted to, I also didn't get a chance to congratulate you on the new launch of your podcast last month. And I, I noticed that as something that you just started doing again. So congratulations with that. Thank you so I, much. I know um, being a fellow podcaster, it's something that we're very passionate about. And it's something that... I know you'll have a lot of enjoyment and success. I know that our audience will be very interested in wanting to check out your episodes as you progress and looking at the ones you have already. I'm going to definitely want our audience to check that out because I think it's something that's very intriguing to me as well. And I think they'll enjoy that. Oh, thank what, you um, so much. I appreciate that. No problem. Looking at your information, the last thing I wanted to ask you, if you were to summarize what you've done in this area in one sentence – what would that be? Help people understand themselves and their right. connection to something greater than us. That's very deep. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on our show this evening and uh, giving us the opportunity to explore this topic because I think this is just something that, like you said, society has not – embraced this at least mainstream society has not embraced embraced this topic yet in terms of you know really having the interest of understanding it and exploring it like they should and for me i think you're a trailblazer in that area by dedicating your passion to it it, it really does say a lot and i think it's going to hopefully help 
the overall adjustment of our society to have a paradigm shift and, and gain a greater understanding and acceptance of your dream work and just things that are associated with it's such a, a critically important area for me to be able to have it as a topic for an episode. I really feel honored to have you as a guest and I deeply appreciate you coming on this evening and sharing your experiences with us. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate your having me on the show. It's an honor to be here. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook. And don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Electric acid.